question is, what can the believer do? What strength, what confidence should the believer have in their life? Our strength, when the world's foundations are crumbling, is in Jesus Christ. One more time, lift it up with everything that you have. Welcome to the Fellowship of the Rockies radio ministry with Senior Pastor Charlie Jones. Fellowship of the Rockies is Pueblo's contemporary evangelistic church, and it is our hope that today's message will uplift and encourage you as we learn how God's Word applies to our lives every day. Join us for one of our three weekend services, Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m., or Saturday evening at 6 p.m. And now, Fellowship of the Rockies Senior Pastor Charlie Jones. Well, this morning we're going to look at, at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to start out in verse 3. We're looking at this issue of what genuine love is. It's what Paul's talking about. Now, Paul's talking about it from the principle of a, of a, of a church leader, what genuine love is for a church leader and, and how to pastor a church and minister to people. But these principles also apply in, in, in your, your, your marriage, in, in your dating life, in parenting. These same principles will cross over, and we're going to look at that this morning. And so Paul gives us about five principles about what genuine love really is. And the first thing that he tells us in verse 3 in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is this. Is it genuine love? Is this understanding that my actions affect others? That genuine love is, see, genuine love is this. Genuine love is others focused instead of self-focused. And so Paul comes down on this and he says, hey, you guys just got to understand this. Genuine love is this. Genuine love is you and I coming to the point, coming to the place in our life that we understand our words and our actions affect others. Verse 3, this is what he says. He says, we, the leadership of the church, we put no obstacle, no barrier, no roadblocks in anyone's way so that fault may not be found with our ministry. From a ministry, from a church uh, concept, Paul is saying, listen, we shouldn't heap barriers, rules and regulations and rituals. We shouldn't make it more difficult than it really should be for people to have a relationship with God. We shouldn't make it more difficult than it really should be for people to enter into a relationship with God, for people to feel his grace, his love, his acceptance. And so Paul is coming down and says, genuine love is this. Genuine love is when we understand that our actions, it affects others. And, you know, if people are going to stumble, let them stumble over the cross. Don't let them stumble over some rules and rituals and regulations. Help them to come into a relationship with Christ and understand what he says. And so Paul understood this issue of genuine love. And Paul understood that, man, my actions, my words. See, Paul was always concerned how people would interpret his actions, his words. He understood that it's others focused. He understood this aspect of, of genuine love is that my actions, man, can affect others. We should be willing to eliminate things from our lifestyle that offends or hurts or is an obstacle to others. May or may not be a sin issue, but genuine love is this. Genuine love is to be able to remove the stumbling blocks or the obstacles in someone's life. Now, Romans chapter 13, or 14 is, is an example of this where, where Paul takes this principle that genuine love is understanding that my actions, my words affect others, and he plays it out in a deeper church setting. 
Romans chapter 14 is about a church is kind of like ours in some respects. It was a church that was re reaching a cross-section of people from all different spiritual backgrounds. And so you had Jews coming into the church, and, and they were becoming Christians, so they were Jewish Christians. So they're coming into the church, they're accepting Christ, but they're still hanging on to the diet and the rituals and the rules and the stuff of their past, okay? So they're hanging on to that. Even though Hebrews 6 writes about that and says you're set free in Christ and, and Christ was the fulfillment of, all of, the, of the Passover and he was the fulfillment of, of all the, 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 the feast and the rules and, the and, and everything. So, but they still hung on to that because that was part of them. Now you had Gentiles coming into the church and they're meeting Christ. And oh, remember the Jews and Gentiles, they didn't like each other, remember? I mean, they, they, they had some racial stuff going on in their time. And so now you've got Jewish Christians coming into church. They're accepting Christ. They're hanging on to the spiritual stuff of their past, the rules and the regulations. And, and then you've got Gentile Christians that are coming into the church. They're accepting Christ. And now you've got this group of people together. Okay. Now, they argued over the same thing churches argue over today. I call it the three Ds. They, they, they argued over diet, days, and drink. And it's three Ds that churches argue over today, right? Uh, they were arguing over the diet. The Jews were saying you shouldn't eat, eat, eat ham and you can't eat pork. And the Gentiles are like, get over it. You're set free in Christ. You've got freedom. And so all of a sudden, the, the Gentile Christians are showing up at the church picnic with ham sandwiches, you know. And they're like flaunting it. And the Jews are going, we can smell ham on their breath. And, you know, if they were real Christians like us, they wouldn't eat pork. They wouldn't eat bacon. They wouldn't eat ham. And so there's this huge thing going on in the church. And all of a sudden, it's going to split the church. Because, right, most churches, most people, most churches split over the small things. The disputable matters is what Paul would. The things that are subjective. I mean, very seldom do you see a church split over doctrinal issues. Very seldom do you see a church split over, over stuff of great importance. And they were no different. And we have churches today that fight over diet, dietary laws, they fight over days. What day are you going to worship? You're going to worship Saturday. You're going to worship Sunday. You see the Jewish Christians, they came in. They wanted, to, they wanted to worship on Saturday because that was their Sabbath. The Gentile Christians are coming in. They want to worship on Sunday because that's when Christ resurrected. And that's why, why they began worshiping on Sunday. And then drank. And so they had these same things going on in their time. And, and here's the crazy thing about it. When Paul, and we're going to read what Paul said. But when Paul got involved... And I mean, they even got down the level that they're referring to each other, the stronger Christians and the weaker Christians. I mean, isn't that what we do? I mean, it, I, mean I mean, come on. I mean, isn't that, I mean, we get into, we get into the disputable matters. It's not the sense. I mean, we get into the disputable matters and then we start talking about, well, this is a strong person and this is the weak person. And so Paul comes down and when you can read all of it for yourself, we're going to look at a couple of things, but read Romans 14 for yourself. Here's the crazy deal. Paul didn't tell one group they were right. I mean, when, 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 they, when he wrote the letter, they're reading the letter and they go, oh, where is it, where is it? He's going to tell us who's right. And you know what Paul does? Paul says, you're both wrong. You're both wrong. Because you don't understand what genuine love is in a body and in a church. And you don't understand what this genuine love principle is that whatever you do affects others. And watch this, verse 13, he says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. So guess what they were doing? They were judging each other in the same body in the same church. But rather, decide. And that's a huge imperative. I mean, just decide. Make a decision for yourself. Never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in 
in the way of the brother. And so, you know what Paul was trying to get them to understand? That our actions, this is huge. Our actions can cause a brother to stumble. Our actions as a leader, our actions as a believer, our actions as a church can cause a brother to stumble. And what does it mean to stumble? I mean, it, it means to cause someone to, to fall back into sin. It means to cause someone to violate their conscience. It can, it can cause someone to walk away from the faith. It can cause someone to say, if this is what church is about, if this is what Christianity is about, I don't want any part of it. Paul was trying to help them to understand as leaders, and Paul was trying to help them to understand as a church that your actions can affect another, negatively or positively. Our actions, our words, can cause a brother to stumble. In verse 15, he goes on, he says, for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, and here, this is just so interesting, we start looking at these dynamics, that if your brother is grieved by what you eat, your actions, not by what they eat, but if he's grieved by what you eat, because that was a huge issue, you're no longer walking in love. In other words, what he was saying is this issue of genuine love in relationships, in church and in relationships, but it's others focused. And if someone's grieved by your actions, your words, the things that you say, and you tell them tough, get over it, it's no big deal, not changing. Just, you're just no longer walking in, in love to where we can cause people emotional stress or emotional hurt or emotional pain, but not what they, by what they eat, but what we eat, by what we do. So he goes on and he says, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. If we're not careful, I mean, this group of scriptures for me as a pastor is so sobering that if we're not careful, we can destroy people. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. Verse 16, Paul goes on and says, do not let you regard as good, as, as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what, look at this, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. And Paul was saying, guys, you just got to understand the essence of Christianity is not external, it's internal, eternal. Isn't it the Pharisees that made it external? Isn't it the Pharisees that worried about the external, the way you went about it, if you looked religious, if you looked, you know, all that other stuff? Paul's saying, well, well, wait a minute. It's internal. It's not about eating, it's not about drinking. The second thing about genuine love, and we're gonna move really quickly, but the second thing about genuine love is this. Genuine love is faithful in difficult times. Watch what Paul says in verse 4. He says, But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance and afflictions and hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. 
The test of your faith is not when everything's going great. It's not when you have your health and your marriage is doing good and your children are doing good and your job's doing good and the economy's doing good. That's the test of your faith and the test of my faith is how do you handle it when there's adversity? How do you handle it when there's difficulty in, in life? And what Paul is saying is a biblical kind of love endures. The third thing about, about genuine love is this, is love is considerate of the needs of others. It's so interesting when you start going through this list of Paul and you, you find that how much of this is, is outward focused and not self-focused and genuine love is aware of, the, of, of just the needs of others. And, and many times the reason that there's really breakdown in relationships is because of selfishness, because of self-love, because of all this stuff. And we live in an I, 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 a me, me, me generation. And, and I mean, you watch it cross over in, into sports, right? I mean, I mean, it used to, football was kind of a team sport and, it was a, and now then you have someone make a hit or get a sack or, or get an interception or, or score a touchdown. And then it's all a, it's a dance. It's all about them and drawing attention to themselves and not like anyone blocked for them and not like anyone had to throw the pass for them and all this other stuff. I like what Vince Lombardi said years back. He, he, told, his, he told the Packers, he says, man, when you get into the end zone, two things, act like you've been there before and you're coming back. And he says, it's not about you. It's about the team. And so anyway, this is what Paul says. He says, verse six, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, and then that's where we get the title, and genuine love. Paul said that in a relationship where there's genuine love is expressed, it is outward focused. It is aware of the needs of others. In other words, we take, in other words, it's not how do I feel, it's how do you feel. It's coming down to this point to where we understand that my words and my actions can affect others. Listen, the, one of the root issues of being impatient is selfishness. When we get impatient, it's all about us. It's about our agenda. It's about our schedule. It's about our goals. It's about our plans. And the reason that we get impatient, the root issue to that, the deeper issue to that is this issue of selfishness. And that's why Paul begins to talk about this issue of, of, of patience. If you're going to lead, it's not all about you. It's about a family. It's about a church. It's about a body of believers. And so the unselfish person is a person that learns to be patient with people learns to be patient with the Jewish Christians. They, they still don't understand all this, but they'll get it, they'll get it. It's the unselfish person that's patient that learns about the Gentile Christians. It's this issue of, of looking at other people. The fourth thing is this, is that genuine love, man, it's joyful. There's, there's this, this, this thing in their life that is just, just joy. It says, verse eight, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and, and yet as true. And you start seeing the paradoxes here and as unknown and yet well-known and dying and behold, we live and as punished and, and yet not killed. And Paul's saying, you know what, if you're gonna be a leader, if you're, whether it's in your home, whether it's in a church, whether it's in a business, a leader has to be able, and it's so hard, a leader has to be able to accept honor in dishonor. A leader has to be able to accept slander and praise. A leader has to be able to accept compliments and complaints. A leader, I mean, look what he says. 
We are treated as imposters and yet are true. There were people who hated Paul. There were people who wanted him killed, wanted him thrown into prison, and yet there was a group of people that loved him deeply. And he says, and that's why we're treated as imposters, and yet we're treated as, as, as true in verse 10. And then here's just a weird paradox in Scripture. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. My joy is not based upon circumstances. My joy is not based upon what you dislike about me and what you slander, what you criticize, what you complain about. My joy is so much deeper than that. That's what God dealt with me with last night. Understanding where your joy comes from. Understanding it's deeper than that. As poor, yet making many rich. Talking about leading people into to the kingdom. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. One of the best ways you and I can express love in the family is this. Are you easy to live with? Are you easy to live with? Are you hard to live with? Do you even like living with yourself? I mean, one of the ways that we express love in the family is that issue because listen, can, can I just tell you, if your happiness is dictated by your circumstances, you're gonna be a bear to live with. And, you're, and the whole family is going to have to ride the roller coaster with you. But developing love and genuine love and compassion is the ability to develop consistency in your life. If you're waiting for everything to be perfect in your life and everything to be ideal in your life, to be consistently joyful, you're going to go through life like a, like a yo-yo and, and people around you are going to be ill at ease. And Paul is trying to get them to understand what this issue of genuine love is all about. And the, the last thing about genuine love is this, is that genuine love is expressed. Genuine love is vocal. And you know what? We're, we're about ready to go through some scripture. And, and still when I read it and when I talk about it, I just admire Paul even more that this was true in his life. Watch this. Verse 11. We have spoken freely to you. Corinthians, okay, now, now, now bear with me, because watch this, because culture is important to context of Scripture. The Corinthians were not happy with Paul. They tried to, they slandered him, they talked about him, they said he really wasn't an apostle, they, they said he was less than Christian, they tried, they tried to hurt him, they tried to divide the church, imposters came into the church, they tried to split the church, they tried to overthrow the church. So the Corinthian church was not the most loving church to Paul, okay? Just so we understand the context of what he's saying. Corinthians. Our heart is open, is wide open. They were not reciprocating his love to them, and he still loved them. They were everything but hurt, but, but loving. They were hurtful. They were judgmental. They were causing him pain. They were causing him discomfort. And you look at this, he says, Corinthians, even after all you've done to me, even after all you've said about me, I want you to know my heart, it's open wide. It's open wide to you. You are not restricted by us. If someone's gonna burn the bridge, it's you, not me. You're not restricted by me because my heart, open wide. 
regardless if you reciprocate or not. But you are restricted, what? In your own affections. Your restriction is not because of me. It's because of you. As far as it depends on us, live at peace with everyone. Doesn't mean we will. But it just means that as far as it depends on me and my actions, because I understand my actions affect others, live at peace with everyone. In return, I speak to you as children. Widen your hearts also. Paul knew how to tell people he loved them. Paul knew how to tell people he appreciated them. Paul knew how to tell people that he cared about them. And here's the most amazing thing about that scripture is Paul wasn't afraid to make himself vulnerable and open himself up to being hurt to a group of people that didn't reciprocate his love. And Paul had this ability to understand what genuine love is all about. I want to close with a letter and uh, Bill Vickers, uh, who goes to our church, uh, made this stand for me and, and uh, he brought it to me this last week and there's just a lot of discussion back and forth from me and Bill about what I wanted and I didn't want it big and all this other stuff because I hate that pulpit stuff you got to step into like a closet and, <laughs> and uh, I wanted to be here and, but not very aware and, and these things and so uh, Bill designed it and I had very little to do with it and, but I, I want you to, to read what he wrote as I close he said when I began to design the, the Bible stand for you I looked at, at, at the stool on stage which has four legs and I was going to build something that would, would go with the stool as I thought more about it and the inherent problem with four legs having uh, staying wobble free you know stools with four legs always seem to, to, to move back and forth because the legs just aren't always right I decided to go with three legs, which will always be steady, no matter how uneven the surface may be. As I cut out the legs, I began to think about these legs could represent the Trinity. Because the believers in Christ, no matter how rough life gets, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost keep us stable. This triggered even more thoughts. This became a spiritual journey as I made this stand. About how this simple stand could tell a story of its own about Christ and his love and his acceptance for us. About a third of the way up the legs, there is a light-colored ring with red bands in them. This represents the blood of Christ, which makes uh, our sins as, as white as snow. You will notice that the light-colored ring is not continuous, but is broken by the legs. This represents the fact that our sins are blotted out as he intercedes for us because of his shed blood. As you continue up the circular top, there is another light-colored ring known as the apron. It reminds me of an umbrella such as the umbrella of protection Christ provides for each one of his followers and each one of us. As you get to the very top, you will see a circle which has a, a knotty defect in it. I purposely left the knot in the wood to show that God's love, that God loves us in spite of our own defects. And as a circular top is never ending, so is God's love for us. That's the focus of a church. 
That's the focus of a ministry. It's not all the, it's not all the disputable matters. It's not the days, it's not the diet, and it's not the drink. Is it coming to the point to understand that genuine love is outward focused? You have been listening to the Fellowship of the Rockies radio ministry. At Fellowship of the Rockies, you will find a relaxed, friendly atmosphere, uplifting praise and worship, and life-changing groups for adults and teens. Fellowship of the Rockies is a community-oriented church where you can build lasting personal and spiritual relationships. Fellowship of the Rockies is located at 3892 West Northern Avenue next to Kmart. We have three weekend services, Saturday at 6 p.m., Sunday at 9 a.m., and Sunday at 1045 a.m., all with fully staffed children and student ministries. For more information, call the church office at 544-5000. Fellowship of the Rockies, connecting God, people, and community.